This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, January 17th, 2023. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us for the Tuesday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. Well, the race for mayor of Chicago is certainly heating up through ads and candidate forums. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, more of America's big banks have released their fourth quarter earnings reports. We're joined live by Gary Coltbaum, president of Coltbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando, Florida. And Gary, let's first, we have to talk about Goldman Sachs. It's not that uh, estimates were optimistic, but even then, it seems to have missed the mark when it comes to Q4 earnings. And when you have the reputation of always blowing away earnings estimates and not just meeting, uh, and then blowing away earnings estimates to the downside, that's where you get a big haircut. Uh, Goldman right now is down over $29.00. Uh, which is a lot of cake. I think that's about uh, $10 billion in market cap, uh, to be exact. So uh, not a good day. Uh, Travelers is doing it also in the Dow, and that's why you see a big divergence in the market today. Yeah, well, let's let's sort of break down what's going on here at Goldman Sachs, because from what I'm seeing, you know, expenses, operating expenses were higher while revenues continued to, to, to drop, and that's what sort of led to that big earnings drop. Uh, It's pretty simple. Uh, Wall Street has been down. That doesn't help. No initial public offerings. That doesn't help. Less private equity deals. That doesn't help. And margins on just all their businesses uh, down to a certain extent. And that's what's been doing the trick, not to mention some uh, credit deterioration. Uh, And earnings were already supposed to be down markedly uh, year over year. The fact that they were down 66%. That is a real big number. And uh, there's a lot of talk on Wall Street about who's running the show. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Now, here's what's interesting is is what we're seeing this this drop with Goldman Sachs. It's sort of the opposite story over at Mo- Morgan Stanley, where its shares have jumped some six percent with its earnings reports. So, is this because Morgan Stanley's primarily dealing with lending, and it's less affected by some of those uh, those uh, issues that you had mentioned earlier? Well, their earnings weren't so great either. Uh, they were down thirty seven percent year over year. So again. You are getting some uh, stocks act decently off of what I consider to be not so great earnings. And you never know what the market's looking into. Uh, But Morgan Stanley said some better things going forward, uh, that they weren't hit by certain things. And and you just never know how the market's going to react. But I can promise you this. uh, Any bank out there, Morgan Stanley the next, if they continue to come out with down earnings, stock may be up today, but eventually it's going to come down uh, again. Uh, the driving force behind stock price performance to the upside is strong earnings growth. So both these names, not so great. Well, and is it fair to say that that down revenue could also potentially lead to layoffs ahead? 
Uh, well, we've been getting that already uh, uh, across the board on Wall Street. You're seeing in technology companies that have revenues heading south, uh, and uh, hopefully it doesn't lead to a cascade around uh, all of uh, the job market. So far, I'm amazed how strong the job market has stayed considering inflation, considering the consumer. And again, fingers crossed it, it stays up because I don't think the economy can uh, take a real bad job market at this point, especially with so much debt, savings rates plunging, a lot of things that have to be watched real closely. That's Gary Coltbaum, president of Coltbaum Capital Management in Orlando. You can find him online at GaryK.com. Coming up, the latest on the very crowded race for mayor of Chicago. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The first polls on the mayor's race in Chicago are out, and most of the hopefuls now have several candidate forums under their belts. Let's get the update in this heated competition with Greg Hines, a columnist at Crane's Chicago Business. And Greg, let's talk about uh, perhaps one of the most predictable or reliable polls that came out conducted by Impact Research. Yeah, this one was done for a uh, for a uh, expenditure group that's trying to help aldermanic people uh, who are they need to be moderates, kind of pro business. Uh, but the impact itself, the group that did the poll is pretty well known, and they found what there's something really consistent with with what other polls that have generally not been publicly announced seem to have been finding, which is that uh, you have kind of a two chair race here with uh, Lori Lightfoot, not the leader, Chuy Garcia, the congressman is the leader, then then a few points back in them. Uh, you have a fight for third place between Willie Wilson, uh, the businessman, and uh, Paul Bellis, the former school's chief. And everybody else is way down in single digits. Some of them hope to move up soon, but they haven't done so yet. And does this really dwindle down to, to funding? I mean, you look at all these political ads that are running and, and really who's got the pockets to fund that? And is that what's really sort of projecting uh, Jesus Chuy Garcia and, and Mayor Lori Lightfoot ahead? Uh, money is not the only thing that counts racial, but it is very important. Um, uh, what's going on is important, too. If you remember, Lori Lightfoot got to be mayor, uh, if you go back four years ago at this time, uh, because all of a sudden uh, the indictments of Ed Burke and Mike Madigan were making big news. Uh, there, uh, and uh, Lori Lightfoot was running this, I'm going to clean up City Hall, I'm going to bring in the light. That was the right message at the right time. But, but uh, to, to drive that message, really, uh, particularly in the crowded field, you need to be on TV. Uh, you need to have uh, campaign workers. You need to have literature and flyers or whatever. All that takes money. Uh, they don't call money the, the, the uh, mother's milk of politics or nothing. <laughs> they certainly don't. Now, the other thing is we've seen uh, several candidate forums that have taken place. Uh, some candidates, mayoral candidates, have had uh, stronger words attacking some of their opponents than others. Can you sort of help us uh, understand what's going on strategy-wise when it comes to these types of open debates? Well, I think everybody is trying to, uh, to elevate themselves at the time they want to knock down the perceived front runner. Lori uh, uh, Ludwig has taken a lot of shots. She, in turn, has, has gone after Mr. Garcia, who, like I said, Ms. Paul is ahead. Uh, she's uh, tried to tie him to uh, to cryptocurrency financiers and to into the evil Mike Madigan um, because uh, she wants to pull him back to the pack. That increases her chances. Um, uh, they're all trying to figure out a path, though, and frankly, I'm not sure any 
them has really fully clicked yet with the city. Uh, we're kind of in this uh, winter fog here. Uh, everybody's worried about other stuff. It hasn't focused on this race. This one's going to gel, but it may gel very late and not before just just before the, uh, the February 1st round. You know, there was concern that with so many candidates, it could potentially pull votes away, leading to, to a runoff. Is that something that we're maybe anticipating this time around? What are your thoughts there with, with just simply the number of candidates that we have? Uh, the number of candidates uh, makes it very hard for anybody to uh, to break through. Uh, it also, if you look at, uh, at which groups have the most candidates, there's several African-Americans are running. That doesn't help Lori Lightfoot, who needs a black vote. And there's only one white candidate running at this point, uh, and Paul Vallis, and only one Latino in uh, Chewy Garcia. So they get a little relative advantage. And uh, that's not to say that everybody votes monolithically. They don't. But that's just you know pragmatic politics. When your base is split several ways, you're at a disadvantage. If you're the only person to represent your base, you have an advantage. Thanks so much. Greg Hines, a columnist at Crane's Chicago Business. Up next, used cars. Turns out they're once again becoming a good deal. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Prices for used cars are coming back down to earth. Let's get an update from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. John, uh, this is good news, I suppose, if you're looking for a used car, because financing a new one, man, that's tough, too. So tell us what we're seeing when it comes to used car prices. Yeah, we're starting to see used car prices come down. And, And one of the reasons is that the chip shortage to make new cars is starting to ease up. So that means the automakers are able to make more new cars. Now, when the chip shortage hit, a lot of people who wanted a new car could not find what they wanted. And so they went to the used car market. So that that huge increase in demand really sent prices soaring. But you know what, Rachel? This could be a short-lived victory for consumers because a lot of people think that used car prices will start to go up again starting around March. And why is that? What's what's happening in that time frame that would change that? Because like you mentioned, if we're seeing more new cars available and we're seeing less demand for used cars, you'd think that that would continue to drive prices downward. Yeah, here's what's going on. You know, uh, automakers lease millions of cars every single year. And the typical person who gets a lease has it for about three years, and then they usually turn that car back in. Well, COVID and the pandemic and the shutdowns all hit around March of 2020, and then it even got worse after that. And that's when car production went down, new car production went down. So there are literally millions of now three-year-old cars that are not coming off lease because they were never sold in the first place. And so leasing or, or cars coming off leases one of the the biggest sources of used cars. And like I said, we're probably going to start to see a shortage hit sometime in March. 
So is your advice to those perhaps looking to purchase a used car to pounce on this opportunity while it's here? Or do we wait and see what happens later on in the spring? What advice do you have there? Well, you could wait and see. But I would say if you're thinking about getting a used car right now, you might have an opportunity that, uh, you know, a window of opportunity. It's only going to be about a, a couple of months long. A car window of opportunity. Thanks so much, John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv based in Detroit. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, how about taking a spring break trip to Europe? The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Elon Musk faces a trial involving his electric car company Tesla. Faculty at the University of Illinois Chicago is on strike. In Travel Tuesday, spring can be a great time for that European adventure. Plus, as green energy grows, demand for electricians is also on the rise. WBBM Business, the Dow is down 363 points. Points, NASDAQ up 13, and the S&P 500 down 5 points. AccuWeather says it's going to be cloudy the rest of today with our high not far from 40 degrees. 34 is our low tonight, then again cloudy skies tomorrow with a high near 40. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Elon Musk drama shifts from Twitter to tweets about Tesla, with the beleaguered billionaire now facing a trial over his electric car company. The trial, which begins with jury selection today, was triggered by a class action lawsuit on behalf of investors who owned Tesla stock for a 10-day period in August of 2018. That's when Elon Musk sent out a tweet claiming he had lined up the financing to pay for a $72 billion buyout of Tesla, which he then amplified with a follow-up statement that made a deal seem imminent. But the buyout never materialized. And now Musk will have to explain his actions under oath. Long before Musk purchased Twitter for $44 billion in October, he'd had his sights set on Tesla, where he continues to serve as CEO. I'm Julie Walker. Union faculty members at the University of Illinois Chicago are now on strike. The walkout follows nine months of negotiations, including a failed marathon bargaining session that took place yesterday. The UIC United Faculty Union says it and the school's administration remain far apart when it comes to compensation, saying starting salaries are outrageously low. Contract talks are scheduled to resume tomorrow. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, the markets are mixed this afternoon. We're joined by Steve Esposito, president of Yellowstone Wealth Management in Lake Forest, Illinois. And Steve, glad to have you with us. But what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, thank you for having me. Actually, what I'm seeing, I'm I'm kind of liking. I want to see us go up two steps forward, one step back and a little consolidation, prepare and then go higher. And I'm continuing to see money move into the value side of the market, which is what we've talked about for a year um, that that looks good to me. And so I like what's happening in the market. And I, I do think there's a good possibility that um, we could have a soft landing uh, over the over the course of the year. So I'm, I'm quite bullish right now. That I'm, is I'm really pretty bullish. optimistic. And it, again, so, you know, we we stocks started sort of flat today. But overall, in the new year, we've had a pretty good start to things. And so you expect that momentum to sort of keep building here. I think so. Um, what you see coming out of Washington obviously creates a little bit of nervousness in the market as well as globally. You saw uh, the China situation um, is reopening, which is positive. So the concern is continued inflation. But I think we're going to keep seeing better than expected numbers uh, to the downside on inflation as you get into the first, end of the first quarter. 
When you go back on a 12-month basis, you'll see uh, commodity prices are down. I think even labor prices are starting to come down. The, con- the container uh, off the coast are no longer there. I'm even hearing they're shipping some empty containers. Uh, I think all of this is starting to come together, and whether it's, it's orchestrated by the Fed or not, I think we're going to get a, 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 a reasonable landing, maybe maybe a very soft recession if we get anything, but no, it won't last very long. So I'm quite bullish because mostly everybody's bearish uh, across the board, and I like when I hear that. And um, the more bearish the street is, the more bullish I become. A bit of a contrarian there, aren't you? Um, you oh, know, big time. Earlier in the show, we were sort of talking about uh, big banks' earnings, but this is a really quite a big season of earnings that's been kicked off. And I'm curious, what are your thoughts so far on what we're seeing on that front? I think, you know, I think the consumers and corporations in general are in very good shape, especially the consumers. So I don't see any problems with the bank side of it. The inverted yield curve doesn't help. We need that to be more of an upward sloping curve. So right now you have the market saying one thing on the 10-year, and then you've got the Federal Reserve doing what it does on the other side. At some point in the future, you'll have that yield curve back to normal, and that, that bodes very well for the financials. But you know they were talking a year ago after the invasion started and oil spiked that we we're going to see $300 oil, $10 gas, and a financial collapse. And we've seen none of that. In fact, the exact opposite. So I think there's a lot of negativity built into the prices of a lot of companies, especially the financials. And I like that group a lot. I think the P ratios, the price, I mean, price to book, all of it is, is historically cheap. And I think um, you got a good future there. So I like that group as well. Now, you mentioned oil. I want to talk about oil markets because it has been relatively volatile over the past year. Where is energy headed? Are, are, are situations, we know that there's still a, a lot of turmoil overseas. So is there any light at the end of that tunnel when it comes to the energy sector? Well, you know, you're at, what, $80 for oil right now. Uh, we were at 120 a year ago, some in that range on the way to 300 we were told. And obviously, we, we went down right from there. It got as high as 130. I think this is actually a good place, a, a home for it between maybe 70 and 85, if it stays in that area. Um, and again, that's assuming nothing new comes out of, of left field, so to speak, that could cause it to go up. But generally speaking, I think um, that group's had a nice run. Uh, whatever I have personally in my portfolios, I have liquidated only because we bought them a lot of the way back when oil was at, remember it got down to negative 35 at one mm-hmm, point. Um, mm-hmm. I may have sold a little early, but I don't care. We made money. <laughs> uh, I'm instead looking where the next the next surprise is going to be. And I think the consumer stocks are just so undervalued um, in relation to what the earnings potential is. And they're they're under-owned, especially small and mid-cap. And I would, look, I would continue to, I'm going to keep preaching on that. That's where I would put my money. Yeah, well, let's talk about where you wouldn't put it. Any sectors or areas we should be avoiding? You know, some of those, they call them zombie stocks, some of those companies that, you know, ran up uh, since the COVID crisis started, which was reminiscent of the dot-com bubble. Uh, you know, people real, don't realize a lot of those companies never came back. Some of the biggest names had never came back. So I'd be careful. Just because a stock's going from 300 down to 50 doesn't mean it's a bargain, especially if they're not making any money. I would prefer that people avoid companies that don't make any money or trade at crazy valuations to sales and, and uh, balance sheet, book value, what have you. And instead, look for companies um, that, yeah, here's what I say, Warren Buffett once said, he's don't fall in love with a stock, fall in love with a stock price. And that's what I prefer to do. If you can buy $5 in earnings on a $40 stock, look at that way. And by the way, some dividends in many of those companies look pretty good as well. So I would avoid the ones that still have no earnings, promise to make them in years and are still trading at multi-billion dollar valuations. That's for people who want to speculate and are aggressive. And I'm, my clients aren't in that category. 
A stock price love story written by Steve Esposito. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Steve is president of Yellowstone Wealth Management in Lake Forest. Up next in Travel Tuesday, demand for travel to Europe is making a comeback. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The strong dollar and the rescheduling of trips postponed due to the pandemic are causing a rise in bookings to Europe. Well, let's talk about heading overseas this spring with Cindy Richards. She's editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com here in Chicago. And Cindy, uh, look, sunshine and beach is great, but if it comes to crowds, I'm going to opt out. It seems like Europe might be the solution here. Well, we all saw the crowds last summer as the pent-up demand for post-pandemic travel sent everyone to Italy and, you know, and they were standing shoulder to shoulder inside the Vatican, right? Um, The reality is that it's a great time to go to Europe at spring break, so the sort of March, early April kind of time frame. It's um, the crowds are down and, you know, there's great beaches in Uh, Europe as well. I'm a big fan and really want to go to Lisbon and Portugal uh, to see some of the beaches there. I spent my honeymoon in Greece, you know, sailing around the islands and um, touring the Acropolis. It's, It's a lovely time to be in Southern Europe. And there's just so much to do, right? Whether you're a foodie or a history buff. I mean, there is something for everyone, truly. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, depending on where you want to go, um, there's almost always great uh, flight deals. I I checked them this morning. They're not as good as they normally are. But in, you know, in in recent memory, you could get trips to uh, round trip uh, flights from Chicago to places like Dublin for less than 500 bucks. And, you know, it's still it's it's in the $600, $700 range to get to most places in Europe in um, late March which is expensive, but, you know, it, it also it costs it can cost three or four hundred dollars to go round trip to Fort Lauderdale from Chicago. It abso- yeah, absolutely. Time. And when you get to Florida, you're going to pay a heck of a lot more for a hotel and for food and for things that you want to do. And you'll have the crowds and you won't have any of those things in Europe. So what advice do you have to someone who, let's say they're trying to book a family trip to, to Europe for spring break? I mean, we're, we're coming up on that deadline here. And I know you said airfare's up a, a tick or two. Is that also going to keep climbing? And is now the time to book? Well, generally, I think um, airfares are probably going to come down a little bit. But, you know, the, the planes are full. So if you really want to go someplace, I, I'm telling everybody, book. Just book your book your plane ticket once you know where you want to go. If I was going to decide to go to Europe and in the middle of June and say I wanted to be there the end of March, I would start by looking at airfares and and pick your dates and do something like an Expedia or a Google search, figure out where's the cheapest place to go. Um, then when you decide that and you say, oh, Lisbon looks like a good deal, or Croatia. Croatia is another incredibly affordable European country. Um, then start looking around, well, you know, here's an Airbnb or here's a hotel and decide where you want to, you know, how much the whole trip is going to cost. And then go ahead and book your flight if you found something that works for you. Thanks so much, Cindy Richards. If you need me, I'll be in Barcelona spring break. Cindy is editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com here in Chicago. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, the rise of clean energy is fueling demand for electrical workers. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
The switch to green energy is creating openings for electricians, jobs that some companies are having a tough time filling. Let's discuss the market for electric workers with Rick Cobb, founder of workplace consulting firm To Discern here in Chicago. And Rick, it, it only makes sense, right? If we're seeing the implementation of even more green energy, it's going to take someone to fix it, install it, all those things. Sure. It's a classic supply and demand. And, and so we have a couple of big booms. We have the electric car, the EV, uh, EV boom, electric vehicles, whether they're motorcycles, cars, et cetera. And then you also have the solar, the push for solar uh, to supplement or actually replace the traditional power grid. Uh, those are both major, major markets right now where people are spending a lot of money and for a lot, for the right reasons, to, not just to save money, but to reduce uh, pollution, uh, carbon footprint, reduce noise. But the number of electricians is going the wrong direction. In, in many major metropolitan markets, there's one electrician for every 450 households. Wow, wow. And here's so so what's the solution to that? I mean, I know there are a lot of apprenticeship programs out there. Is it a matter of really marketing it specifically toward green energy or what's it going to take to sort of meet this demand? There has been a little bit of a deadlock on the training to become an electrician because it's typically been uh, a job that is in, in the manufacturing environment traditionally, and therefore it's been run by the unions. I'm not pointing fingers at the union, but there needs to be more uh, independent opportunities to become a qualified electrician through those internship programs. They certainly have those uh, when you when you are a company that's getting tax credits for going to solar, uh, to going to green, uh, you are responsible to have a certain number of, of internships available so that people can become electricians. But the entry point is a bottleneck. The market's booming. The need for electric, electricians is high. And also there's a supply chain issue around electrical components, not just chips, but just the basic conduits and things that you need to do your job. And that price has gone up as well. So there's a lot of things that are just in the way of us being able to solve it. And I think just the last issue to think about is, you know, one of the, the oldest uh, automobile-based uh, uh, society probably in, on the planet. And our whole infrastructure for electricity is not geared the same way we are for the traditional gas-powered automobile. So we have a lot of old infrastructure that is sort of in the way of making changes because it's not about building a new one. It's about getting rid of the old one before you put the new one in. Right. Well, and you're, I mean, you're talking about old infrastructure, but I also think that there, there may be just a bit of a stigma surrounding what it means to become an electrician because the job has changed so drastically, even in the last 10 to 20 years, because of all this new technology that's been implemented. It's true, but the basic job, the, the, to be an electrician, I've seen estimates for electricians say they make between uh, you know, fifty dollars and $60,000 a year. A master electrician certainly makes in the six figures. I think you'd have to be a, a pretty poor electrician to make fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. The demand is so high. So if 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 someone's looking for, if they like to work with their hands and they like those challenges, uh, elect, electricity in general, just putting you know, doing wiring and and wiring in the the uh, the supply system, you know, the, the recharging system in someone's house, hooking up somebody's solar panel, those are not particularly complica- complex. Yeah, there's a lot of things about electricity that are really complicated, but we start to think about computers and coding and stuff like that. That's not what, you know, this is a basic trade that can be learned by a lot of people. 
Thanks so much, Rick Cobb, founder of To Discern here in Chicago. And if you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's also a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.